Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Ashback. And I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight toker. Well, that was your best intro yet. I'm very proud of you. Uh, that cost intro cost us $20,000. Yeah, the Steve Miller band can suck it. We will pay up those royalty fines. It was worth it. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, it was worth it. I mean, that's just what, like 2% of our, of our monthly income? Yeah. IRS, you are not allowed to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, shh, quiet. Everybody, if you call the IRS on us, I'm going to be really upset. Yeah, don't call them. You can send them a smoke signal, <laughs> but you're not allowed to call them. Uh, today, Alex, uh, do you have something that you want to announce to the world about this news that has been coming to the world? Uh, yes, I think you are talking about how we're all devastated that Krypton was canceled uh, and we're not going to get a Lobo TV show. That's what you're talking about, right? That's the uh, big conversation this week. Nope, that's not it. Try again. Uh, you're talking about the Kevin Smith He-Man series coming to Netflix, which is a direct continuation of the original series. Yeah, no, that's not it either. Although, that was disappointing news for me personally. You'll still end up watching the show. Uh, I'll watch at least an episode. Yeah, all and every episode. It's required for this podcast, yeah, even if we don't do an episode on it. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a He-Man episode, so I'll definitely watch it. So, there's that. There's one more tiny bit of news, I think, uh, that has dominated the news over the last couple days in the comic book world. Do you happen to know what that is? Uh, I think, was it that I read the news version of Deadly Class? Was that it? Nope, that was okay. not it. Volume that that, that has not made the rounds. Two weeks ago, you're behind the times. Uh, this was announced just a couple days ago. And by a couple days ago, I mean yesterday, our time, a couple days ago, your time, mm -hmm. as you're listening to Because you're from the future. Congratulations, yeah. Marty uh, McFly. What's John Connor like? Please tell me. <laughs> I'm pretty, he's doing pretty good. <laughs> good. He uh, became a photographer, called himself Pecker, and everything's gone out well for him. All right. Uh, Spider-Man is devastatingly no longer a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This has implications far and wide. Only concerning myself. Yeah, I actually went through like the five stages, five stages of grief when I heard this news. Like denial, anger, bargaining. Uh, I can't remember the one, but acceptance. And now, like I'm at acceptance to where maybe I'm, or I'm probably in denial actually. But I'm like, oh, no, I'm including acceptance because to me this is just a bargaining tactic, and they'll eventually come back together. Yeah, I've been in denial kind of the whole time. It's just denial and anger, and I've been taking it out on everyone. Yeah, my girlfriend is a wreck right now because I'm. <laughs> but she understands. Her. Yeah, she yeah. gets it. She knows yeah. that the reason that I'm screaming is Spider-Man. It's she knows that has nothing to do with the way that, uh, you know, she prepared my bath. <laughs> Supposedly, <laughs> uh, Disney wanted fifty percent of the revenue from the Spider-Man films when their previous cut was five percent. It took a, a, a quite a massive What's leap. The previous cut really five percent. That's that's what's been reported in the trades. Uh, whether Jesus. that's true or not, but that's been reported. So yeah, they uh, they asked for I want to. I'm not good at math, but I think they asked for a 450 percent uh, a raise. They uh, at, I know that they wanted 50 percent. Uh, that's all I know. I so didn't like, know that the beginning yeah. amount was five percent. That's news to me personally. Yeah. So like you could like I mean Sony 
a man of them. But like, you can see like why they would say no. They're like, we'll make a terrible Spider-Man movie, make half the money, but we'll get all of that money and you won't get half of it. Yeah. And not only that, we're going to, you know, hurt your fans and make you more angry. Uh, I, who do you put, who do you put blame on in this? Uh, both of them, really. I mean, it's just two, I mean, it's just two major studios who are both greedy and want their fair share of the pie. Like, I hate that Sony has the rights to the Spider-Man properties and I wish Disney just had the rights to them. Uh, but, uh, I put blame on both parties. I think this is just both of that negotiating tactic for both companies. I mean, one hundred percent clearly is a negotiating tactic for both of them. But I think in a few months' time, we'll we'll see happy marriage again, especially because Marvel has time because their next two years are planned out without any Spider-Man anyway, as far as we know. Yeah, I mean, there's been no announcements for the next phase, so not even for like the TV shows or anything. Although I want to say Tom Holland was announced to be in the you know, what if. What if? So I wonder if that's still going to be happening. Oh, God. especially because animation takes a, a long time too. Yeah, that episode might be canceled <laughs> way in advance. Wouldn't that be like that'd be such like a, a thing of like legend, like the lost like what if episode if a deal is never reached? Oh yeah, it just turned into a comic book. Yeah, uh, you know that Marvel still has the rights to Spider Man in comic yeah. book form. Wow, good, good for them. Glad they, <laughs> glad they can get rid of that. Um, but I think it'll all be okay. I think one thing that benefits Sony right now is Venom was a bigger hit than they probably even anticipated for them. Uh into the Spider-Verse was a big hit for them. Again, probably bigger than they anticipated. Uh, so even if Morbius flops, uh, even if their Miller and Lord shows never come to anything, they could still put Spider-Man and Venom together in a film without Marvel and make a crap ton of money. Whether, whether it'd be a good movie or not, I can't say, but it would still make all the money in the world. Yeah. I mean, I can guarantee it would be a not as good movie as if Marvel would have made it. Like I can 100% guarantee that. And you have to wonder, too, like, if they brought back the same writing team, although there are different teams for Far From Home and Homecoming, and the same director, if there would be that much change. It makes you wonder how much of a role Foggy would play at that point. Yeah, I I mean, I, I would have faith for a third movie, but beyond that, I'm not necessarily certain. Yeah, just the saddest thing is that Spider-Man being taken out of the sandbox and being in other films or having other MCU characters in, in his films is the it's a hard thing. Like, obviously, Nick Fury played a big role in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. And so to lose Nick Fury, uh, to lose uh, Maria Hill, like, would be terrible. To, well, let, oh, hold on, hold on. Maria Hill's not that big of a loss for Spider-Man. Huge Maria Hill fan. Wow. Yeah. Are you a huge Maria Hill fan or a huge Kobe Smulders fan? Both. It goes hand in hand. Okay. I feel like she's been underutilized in the MCU. I'd like to see her get a bigger part. I could part. not agree more. Uh, which there should be no reason why anybody likes Maria Hill because she hasn't done shit. Yeah, I think personally, this, I think Kobe Smulders is like in a weird spot because she's not big enough of an actress to like carry a film. Yeah, uh, oh, definitely not. But she's too big of an actress to be like the third or fourth uh, beat on like Agents of Shield. She was in an episode or two, but more of like a cameo role. But like, she's not like uh, well, be, be part of an ensemble. She could be part. Uh, she could be like a top three or four builds in a TV ensemble, but yeah, definitely not a, a side character or some bullshit. Anything. I think we've gotten way off track before we're actually talking about this week. No, all we're talking about this week is Spider-Man. <laughs> we're not talking about Batman hush, the animated feature that is out on DC universe. Go check it out. All we're talking about this week is Spider-Man. Hey, we're going to talk about the week before, but we screwed that one up. Yeah, that was, that was definitely 
DC Universe's fault. Yeah, 100% them, unless you want to sponsor us. Speaking of sponsors, <laughs> Little Caesars, we're still waiting for you to reach out. Uh, and I know we're talking about Batman Hush, which means you should invest in a good pair of Bose noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> uh, Bose, if you want to reach out to us, we're welcome. Uh, or any noise-canceling company, if you think you make a better product than Bose. Uh, we're, we'd also like to hear from you. Hey, even if you're Skull Candy, if you want to reach out to us, we're down. Uh, contact our agent. His name is Matt Golden. Uh, he happens to be one of the two henchmen of comics speaking today. Uh, you can only reach him by calling 1-800-COLLECT, though. <laughs> that's that's 100% mm-hmm. true. But to be fair, you can also, if Little Caesars does not sponsor us, I fully support you doing one of two things. Either going behind the counter and taking a pizza, because it's only five bucks, or just giving us giving them $5 and taking a pizza. Yeah, would they call the cops if you stole a $5 pizza? I can't imagine any Little Caesars employee would have that much care yeah. about one $5 pizza. Unless the person was extremely threatening yeah. looking or sure. actually extremely Or if the person was like the most like diehard, like they believed in Little Caesars' mission above like all other, above everyone else. And their mission statement is, of course, pizza, pizza. Uh, I believe the mission is uh, stop all pizza robberies. <laughs> that they is t- a terrible... <laughs> Mission statement. You got to put the fear into your new hires, okay? When they get that training, <laughs> you let them know what it's like to work at Little Caesars. Constant pizza robberies. Yeah, and if you don't want to hear those, remember Bose noise-canceling well, headphones. And to be fair, their biggest theft is the Noid from Domino's. So it's just really, yeah. this this pizza war, when is it going to end? Hashtag avoid the Noid. Hashtag pizza wars. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I know you and I are both huge fans of the comic Batman Hush. Uh, written by Jeff Loeb, art by Jim Lee. It's one of the greatest Batman stories of all time. I think you'd agree. Uh, yes, 100%. Uh, if you haven't read it, it is one of... It's easily top 10, and a lot... You can make the case for top 3 or top Yeah, five. and I'm sure for some people, it is their favorite story, and, and they can definitely make that case yep, for themselves, absolutely. too. Uh, and I think I've come to realize like while watching this film, and it's by no ways a bad film, but I've come to accept that these adaptations of beloved, beloved comic book stories from DC, they will never be as good as the adaptation because they're trying to fit it in to their their already existing animated universe. Which to me is absolutely bizarre. I don't know why these things can't stand alone. Why there's a specific order to each and every one of them. To me, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, I mean, I like having some continuity between the movies and the characters. But sure, but you can keep like two or three beats without keeping the entire yeah. thing going. And the thing to me is like, I don't think there's a big, and like, I mean, I feel like we would be the target audience, but I don't feel like there's a big like outcry of people who are just slobbering over the DC animated universe continuity world at all. No, no, not like you would see, you know, somebody in actual comic book realm. People don't give as much of a fuck about these movies. Yeah. Uh, I certainly don't. Not to say that I don't enjoy them or don't find a special place for them, but I don't give nearly as much of a fuck. Uh, and we'll say just spoilers for Batman Hush. Yeah, good, uh, before we literally say any words about yeah. things that actually happen. And we're 20 minutes into the podcast. That's a new record for us. Yeah, we're getting better. Uh, I would say... Are we, though? Yeah, we're, we're tip top. Uh, we're at our peak. My mom doesn't think so, but that's okay. Well, I'll have words with her. <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, we're going to call one and collect. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to call her though. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to take those charges. Uh, but w- this is the thing 
with the animated films is I feel like we didn't really start on the beat of the comic until maybe like the end of act two or like the yeah. start of act two. Uh, we see, and I'll say for the comic, the story is there's a new villain, uh, aptly named hush. Uh, and he is torturing and controlling Batman in ways that his other villains have not. And even has gained control over some of Batman's uh, foes as well. And is manipulating them because they, because even they fear what he can do. He's almost like, it's like a mirrored, like kind of dark version of Batman. Yeah. Whose singular focus is Absolutely. while Batman's is stopping crime, Hush is defeating Batman. It's kind of the opposite of what Batman wants to do. He does not want to defeat himself. Very true. Uh, <laughs> Some high-class observation here. You can't find that kind of stuff anywhere else. So what do you think didn't work from this film that that you enjoyed from the comic? You know what? There wasn't a lot of stuff that I would say didn't really work. I think it all worked fine with the story that they told. I think they should have made it longer. I didn't necessarily like... Uh, the fact that Catman, 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 <laughs> Catwoman, Catman, you hang around Black Canary and trading her. Okay, come on. <laughs> that Catwoman was a focal point of the entire story. Yeah, I think and the, rescuing Batman at sometimes too. The Catwoman thing, I ended up being okay with toward the end because I had grown to just be like, "Well, is what this film is." It, I mean, I'm a kind of okay with it. Kind of, it kind of feels like they're trying to modernize like the DC animated universe to it be more like, like the current the, run. Yes. yes, yeah, yeah. I yeah, made a you big know, note same thing. of. How Tom King's run on on Batman now in the comics has affected this DC. Yeah, universe. it's interesting because it's obviously a new current uh, about to be ending run, uh, but to already have that much of an impact on a beloved story, I thought was really interesting. Uh, one thing I wasn't a huge fan of is the relationship between Bruce and Thomas Elliot, his old childhood friend. It seems so artificial. There's very few scenes with it involved. And how she get scenes with them, like when they were kids, when they were uh, when they were teens, young young teens, and obviously when they were adults, and we got to know them together. This just yes, you got the you got scenes from when they were teens and when they were young teens. Yes, uh, the most important times in teens' lives. Uh, <laughs> but teens. but what but what I would like is actually, and I'm not a huge fan of this normally, but I would like some like flashback. Hashtag hot hot, hot and ready. Hashtag. <laughs> Boys, boys noise canceling headphones. <laughs> now, boys noise canceling headphones, but I mean, boys noise canceling headphones does cancel noisy boys. Uh, but <laughs> what boys. what I would have liked to see was actually some flashbacks of them when they were kids. So I would have cared whenever Thomas Elliot died. Yeah, it was a is a big story moment, um, but it it didn't feel impactful at all in the movie. No, I thought probably the best scene that mirrored the comics. Uh, almost exactly that played well both in both mediums was when Batman was beating the crap out of the Joker. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, and Jim uh, Gordon has to stop him. Yeah, and Jim. Yeah, just like the comics, like that happened towards uh, towards the beginning or the middle of the comics. Uh, so it happened really late in this film, which again I think is where it kind of loses its thread. Absolutely, um, it it should have, and we saw this in the Killing Joke as well, and we spoke about it. But the movie doesn't really get kicked off until the second act or halfway through the second act, which is kind of frustrating. Well, and to me, the most frustrating thing, and this is a big spoiler for the film, is that they made a major change to Hush and that Hush was not Thomas Elliot, but Hush was the Riddler in this film for some reason. Uh, I didn't really get that. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that change. I didn't at hate all. it, honestly. I thought I was yeah. going to dislike it a lot more than I did. 
It played out fine, but it's just like, I, like I just want my Riddler to be Riddler, and I want uh, Hush to be Hush, and like it's probably because like I'm so that story, uh, it's just so ingrained in me. Like I that change was too too much for me. It played out well, like the writing was fine. Like this was not like go back to the Killing Joke where Batgirl was in love with Batman. Like that was wrong and terrible and awful. This was something that I didn't like personally, but I think it played out well in the film. Although I, I mean, I, I understand your concern because in the future that can cause a lot of problems. If they're going to continue this storytelling route throughout each film, if the Riddler is now hushed, there's no Riddler. So what do you think worked in the film for you? Like, like what do you like? Uh, very little. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there were. I thought actually, I take that back. I love, <laughs> um, I love the the poison ivy aspect and how she was such a large part of the film. Oh, that was really great um, too. And how it borrowed from the from King's Run, where she uh, takes over Superman and kind of uses her as her pawn. Yes, yeah, that was great. Needs. Yeah, whenever and that again, yeah, like you said, like that was there's a similar storyline in Tom King's Run that was like that. Uh, and just seeing it come alive, something I did not see coming. Like whenever I saw Absolutely. Uh, Lois and Clark. I thought it was just going to be like a brief cameo between them. I did not expect it to go that at all. Are you talking about the Explorers in America? Yes, I am. And I'm so glad they brought Sacagawea with them. <laughs> uh, Batman's uh, really racist overturn towards her kind of bothered me. But <laughs> that's for another podcast. Yeah, that's a whole different one. Uh, I also really enjoyed Batman's kryptonite brass knuckles. Yeah, that he beats the shit out of Superman and- with. Just that whole fight, like whenever he like lures Clark into the sewers and tells him that he's right under the Daily Planet. He doesn't and, yeah. lure him sexually, but he lures him yeah. in a different way. But like, th- like other that was really cool, and just the fact that like his advice to Catwoman during this is just to run, like because yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna stop Superman. Yeah, she asked him if if he had a plan. He's like, absolutely, I've got a plan. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool, sweet. And he's like, run. I was like, ah, that's not as cool a plan as I It's fine. It's probably the most effective plan, though. Yeah. Although, not really, because Superman's got super speed, so. Yeah, yeah. and he didn't. And super him. hearing, yeah. Whatever. Well, uh, so, I thought that was great. I also love, too, towards the end of that, where Catwoman's solution to snap him out of it is to push Lois off the off the tower, the yeah. building, which Batman did not plan for. But she was like, hey, it worked. Like, I thought that was good, too. I enjoyed uh, that. Uh, here's one of my, my favorite parts. Of the movie is for some reason there's a another gala scene with Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle and a bunch of other people. Thomas uh, Elliot. Yep, and uh, and Bruce is talking to Alfred over the most gigantic Bluetooth device <laughs> I have ever seen. The boom mic what? definitely went halfway down his face. It face. was. I really thought that Bose should have sponsored some kind it of. It was Bluetooth a device great cover. They're like, no way if this adult. <laughs> The one driving the Batmobile. Okay, he has a Bluetooth from 2004. You no, know, he's got the latest and greatest technology in some sort of hidden underground cave. He doesn't have AirPods. He doesn't have Samsung Galaxy Buds. He has got a Plantronics <laughs> device made in 2004. Uh, I really enjoyed Nightwing in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I liked in the beginning when uh, Bruce was at the gala that Matt just mentioned, uh, he's on the comms talking to Nightwing as well, and we get to see Nightwing fighting. And the way they had Nightwing fighting style was just so different than Bruce's as well. I enjoyed that they actually showed not just the difference in personality, but the difference in their fighting styles, even though he was his original protege. He uh, made a building explode, which was not yeah. very Batman. Uh, and he he showed like what he's supposed to be with Batman. He's not Damien. He is like the lighter side, like the honest side, like the side that shows that encourages Bruce not to lose his humanity 
I thought that played really well in this film. I thought so too. I I really enjoyed him as a character. I thought he added a lot to the story. Uh, one thing uh, I enjoy too. Whenever we mentioned it earlier, but the Joker Batman uh, scene, whenever uh, Batman's beating him up, Joker just while getting beat up, he's like, "Who who is Robin these days?" Uh, that was just a nice little throwaway joke, especially because Joker killed uh, Jason Todd. Wait, uh, spoiler alert! Spoilers for Batman: Death of the Family comic book run <laughs> uh, by Jim Starlin, uh, made in the nineties. I'm sure, I believe. It wasn't his choice. It was the reader's choice. They voted to kill Robin, thinking that DC wouldn't actually do it. Yeah, and they did it, and then they brought him right back. So uh, They brought him back years later as the Red Hood, which is one of the most badass members of the, the Bat really family. Is, yeah. Joke's on you, everybody. Uh, Damien didn't feature much in this film. I like Damien a lot, uh, but I, I'm i kind of glad he didn't. I'm glad it was more narrow-focused. He was on a, a standout in what we covered last week in the Batman... Ninja Turtles. Ninja yeah. Turtles run. Uh also a standout uh, is Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Br- uh, hashtag bring him back. I think you mean the Sony Cinematic Universe. <laughs> oh my I God. am excited for Spider-Man versus Cloudy versus What the Chance of Meatballs. <laughs> yep. Down for that. Versus Venom. Uh, for real. Can so, we get that, but like in a Super Smash Brothers version? Yes, uh, we can. Game? But it's only going to be a freemium mobile game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, before we get to our ratings, uh, what's one story that you would like to see in the DC universe Any for any comic book story that they've done that you'd like to see adapted into an animated film? Next up, we have a Wonder Woman story coming up. Oh, that's a fantastic question. I didn't think that you had the capability of asking fantastic questions. Uh, you know who does things fantastically is Little Caesars in their $5 <laughs> hot and ready pizzas. Those are absolutely fantastic. But something I'd like to see, and you might not um, have expected this from me, I recently finished uh, Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino's run on Green Arrow. That does surprise me that you finished it. War of the Clans. And I think that would lend itself perfectly to uh, to an animated feature. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Green Arrow fan. I'm a favorite DC character, so I think that is a great choice. Uh, I'd like to, Alex, it is a great choice. I would like to see a Green Arrow-focused uh, DC film. Uh, there's a lot of great stories out there, and I think it would be... I think that's an awesome choice. I would like to see... And to me, it'd have to be like... I'd like to see this turn into like multi, uh, multiple movies or a television show, but I would like to see Jeff John's Green Lantern run turned into a film or TV series starting from the beginning, like whenever Hal comes back from being the Spectre of the Green Lantern, to the birth of the Snetrocore, to the birth of the Red Lantern, to the birth of uh, Larflees, and all these iconic Green Lantern characters. And also to the window and to the wall. Well, naturally, but that doesn't come until, I want to say, issue 122. Yeah, it's a little so bit... So I feel like the fourth with this film. Uh, I was going to say, an obvious choice for me is is the ongoing run from Grant Morrison with Green Lantern. Totally unique and totally different for Green Lantern. He's Kind of, it's it's more like a police procedural in a way, and I really enjoy that about it. Yeah, it's I mean, and there's so many great Batman stories. But I think that's kind of an obvious answer for us. Uh, I think we would just kind of like to get away from that. I think we'd both love to see a question movie as well. We'll probably never Absolutely. get a question TV series. I um, would love to see. I mean, and I know it's ongoing, and actually, literally today because today is New Comic Book Day. It's Wednesday is when we're recording. Uh, the second issue of. Superman uh, Year One by Frank Miller That'd be a great is out today, and I can't wait to read it. And I think that 
just by reading the first issue, I think that'd be a, a fantastic story. Is that, I'm kind of going overboard as well, too, but I would kind of like to see a Robin movie, like where we see Nightwing, Red Hood, Red Robin, and Damien all You're together. A Bat Family guy. I am a big Bat Family. Uh, I like Batwoman and uh, Orphan and all the others, but the, the four Robins I'm a huge fan of. You know who else is a massive Bat Family fan? Batman. Uh, Phil Hess, the CEO of the Bose Corporation. Hashtag noise canceling headphones. <laughs> Hashtag hot and ready pizza pizza. Yep. Uh, Little Caesars and Bose. The uh, team up you never saw coming brought to you by the henchmen of Congress. Hashtag avoid the Noid. Unless Little Caesars spurns us, then welcome the Noid. Our <laughs> yeah. new Noid Bring overlord. It on, Domino's, we're, we're ready. We're hot and ready for you. Okay. So, what would you rate this film on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd give it a 6.5. I think it was a 6. I think this is a better film if you aren't familiar w- with Hush, actually. Uh, and for those, but I think everyone, I think you can know Hush and still enjoy this film. But I think everyone should also go read Hush if you like this film, too. Yeah, more importantly than watching, watching the Hush film here, you should go read Hush because the book is way better than... Uh, then the movie here. Actually, and, too, if you have DC Universe and you haven't read it, I'd recommend watching the film and then going back and reading the run on there. That's probably a way better way to do it, honestly. Yeah. If you haven't read it yet, go <laughs> watch the movie and then read it. And you'll be like, oh, shit, the book's great. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Henchman of Comics. Next week, we're done talking about animated films. We're talking about comic books. It's time for the end of the month comic book for the month of August. Yeah, we're going to do that, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> Uh, as always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Like and subscribe and download this podcast. Uh, make your mom do it, too. She'll appreciate it. For the Henchman of Comics, I'm Alex Dushback. And I'm the supervillain Shush. Henchman ain't easy.